Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Well, hello and welcome back to the Shifting Our Schools podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. I have the joy and privilege of sitting in for Jeff today. Don't worry if you miss him. He is back with us next week. On the podcast today, we have Superintendent Janet Avery. Janet is going to talk to us about her experiences as a school leader, we're going to talk about why it is that she believes so strongly in the power of networks that she has created on Twitter. We're also going to talk about the ways that she approaches managing and navigating conflict and much, much more. You will also hear us refer to a free guide that Shifting Schools has over in our free resource library. That's one of our more recent guides. It is all about spotlighting soft skills. Um, That free guide has ready to roll resources that you can check out. We think they are great for the start of the academic year. So enjoy our conversation with Superintendent Janet Avery. Janet, you are currently a superintendent and an educator with nearly three decades of experience. Congratulations. You're the founder of the weekly chat on Twitter, hashtag IDE chat. Um, As we head into a new academic year, I know that someone, uh, again, with your experience and with your role will, will naturally or organically maybe be doing some learning over the summer. Can you talk to us a little bit about um, what some of that learning has been for you? Sure. So um, a year ago, I took on a new role as a superintendent of a small district in northern Idaho, which I have been just thrilled with that new journey. And so it's been a learning journey along with other things. But over the summer, I really um, delved into relearning. Um, I I reread the book Anatomy of Peace by the Arbinger Institute that talks about, which is ironic, talks about conflict management and talks about really understanding how to keep yourself out of a box when you're dealing with other people. And so that's been my biggest piece of learning. And then also um, just relearning the um, operational and financial side of running a district, which um, in my previous position, I did, I was mostly um, dealing with curriculum and instruction and, and learning. And so I still do that, but I've been learning a lot about the operational side of things. And so that's been a new adventure for me as well. I'm sure that is a massive undertaking. Um, And Janet, that book sounds fascinating. I'm a huge avid reader myself. So listeners, we'll be sure to keep, uh, we'll put the link to that book over there in the show notes. And I'm going to check that out. That sounds really, really interesting. I have to say, Janet, it's really wonderful, Um, you know, listeners of this show will know that we're big believers in the power of of Twitter to help teachers 
um, really kind of expand their network and, and learn from folks all over the place. You are so active in that space and, and we really appreciate that. Back in 2018, you blogged about how much Twitter means to you. Um, I'm wondering if, if you might be able to just sort of touch on that and talk a little bit more about how Twitter helps you specifically as a leader. Sure. So it was really funny how I ended up on Twitter, actually. Um, I had, it was my first year as a middle school principal and um, I had a great coach. We were part of the Making Middle Grades Work Network, which was actually out of the, out of the Southern Regional Education Board Research um, in, Institute down in the Southern States. And we had a coach, her name is Nancy Blair, and she um, had worked with me for a little while. She goes, you know, Janet, you really, um, you're, you're pretty tech savvy and you're trying to do a lot of things and, and you are in this other network in Idaho, but have you ever thought about joining Twitter? And I probably had a, a very unusual look on my face because I thought, why would anyone get on Twitter? You know, I had gotten on Facebook a few years ago, but that was more to send pictures to my mom and dad who went south for the winter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I started, um, I got on Twitter that weekend, actually, and, and followed the, I went to her list. She taught me how to follow her list of people. And so I started doing that and started just reading a few things. And then I uh, retweeted that someone said something said and responded to one of Nancy's tweets. And then my first follower was um, Lisa. Um, she's um, teach with soul. And she just said, Hey, I totally understand that. So then I looked at her and what she was doing. And then all of a sudden I just saw all these resources that I could start sharing with my staff. And, um, I would start kind of, I started kind of archiving some resources that I would just find on Twitter and I'd share them out with staff. And, and I finally had staff come to me one day and say, where are you finding all of these really cool things? And, and I kind of went on Twitter. <laughs> you know, I was, I, I was like, uh, nervous to tell people that I was on Twitter, but then I'm, then the more I got there and then I started getting connected with people who were really um, like-minded and I started learning from people and, and connecting with people who I wanted to be one day, you know, that they were in positions that I uh, wanted to grow into. And so I just started seeing that power. And then some things happened in the state of Idaho with some policies and, and the, um, the, culture and environment in education was just super negative. And in my position, um, some of the policies that had been put in place kind of drove a wedge between administrators and teachers, even though I had built relationships with my staff, just those new policies were causing things to happen. And I got so um, focused on those compliance issues and trying to rebuild relationships with teachers and then something would happen at the state level and it would break that apart again. And I, st I was went dark on Twitter for a while because I was too busy 
And I um, got called by someone at our state department and asked me to be part of a principals network. And I had been part of a couple things prior to that, that never finished. And I, and I flat out told him, no, <laughs> I said, no, I don't think so. I'm, I'm not going to be part of something that gets started and doesn't ever finish. And he said, no, Janet, I, this will be different. I, I, and I didn't know him at all. I'm like, I, he just said, wait, I kind of need you to be part of this. I'm like, what does that even mean, Greg? <laughs> he said, no, I, you've been a principal for a while and, and I need you to be part of this. And, and I said, okay. So I went very begrudgingly and I am a learner at heart. And so the fact that I went to a learning event with a grudge and a bitter taste in my mouth was very unusual for me. But we started talking about um, learning dispositions and different dispositions as leaders. And, and some of the conversations we were having, I had been having with leaders on Twitter. And I got back on Twitter and it totally, I, I tell people Twitter saved my life. I mean, it saved my professional educator life. And it was at that time I just got re-energized, refocused on what what my why was, refocused on what mattered. I reread one of Michael Follin's books where it talks about um, you get don't don't worry about compliance, get a C in compliance and an A in things that really matter. And so um, just all of those all of those things came together at once. And the following year. Um, after after that summer of of learning and some great things that we were able to implement at the middle school, I became that following year. I became a curriculum director in my district, and um, another person that I had connected with on Twitter said, "Hey, Janet, why doesn't your state have a Twitter chat? You should start one." And I'm like, uh, "Why? <laughs> what? What does that even mean? I start one, so I did." And so, and then I got connected with some other educators in my state who we just moved that forward. And then from that came the first ed camp that we held in Idaho and um, it, all of those things and the continual learning cycle and the connections with other leaders. Um, because being a leader, even if you have other leaders in your own district, being a leader can sometimes be lonely. And so those connections with other people who you may not have ever met in person, but it's someone that you feel, I, I have made formed relationships with people who I can reach out to if I have a question. And they, I've told them they can reach out to me as well. And so this last year, I've been a little quieter on Twitter just because I've been swimming with a straw most of the year, learning my new role. But um, I, our hashtag is still out there, Idaho Ed Chat, and we keep, um, I have people who are continuing to post there and we're going to restart the chats pretty soon. So, so that's, that's a little bit about Twitter's importance to me. That's such a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing that with us. And, and listeners, of course, the link to follow Janet on Twitter will be over there in the show notes. I really appreciate what you say. You know, in essence, it's sort of, we have access to this bigger staff room where, um, you know, I, I too have been just really amazed and surprised 
by how some of the relationships that I've established with other professionals on, on mm-hmm. Twitter, uh, you know, I very much feel like they are colleagues, they are a constant source of inspiration. And, uh, you know, I love that you point out sort of, it's okay to dip away from it. And sometimes mm-hmm. it's good to dip away from it and then come back mm-hmm. and it can re-energize you in, in, in really sort of unforeseen ways. So thank you for, for sharing that story. And, and Janet, you've been touching on a, a reality for school leaders in that you're always going to have so many competing interests that you need to balance. Um, and, and one of them that um, we hear from school leaders all the time is, uh, you know, you are to a certain degree a, a point person, um, almost like a lighthouse, if you will, for helping to lead conflict resolution. <laughs> we will have listeners who are gearing up to start what might be their very first year in a leadership role. What advice might you offer to um, an upcoming leader who is going to, you know, be a point of responsibility for helping to guide and lead conflict resolution? Yeah. So that's a great question. And um, everyone has to approach conflict resolution differently. But um, one thing I do know is that conflict resolution is is not easy, but it can be um, it can be easier when you just let yourself know that it's something that's a reality you're going to be dealing with. And if you choose not to deal with it, it's going to actually make your life harder than if you deal with it. So that's the first thing you have to, you can't ignore conflict. You, you do have to um, find a way and find some strategies that work for you to deal with it. One of the biggest um, things that help with conflict resolution is just truly listening. And, you know, I, Stephen Covey talks about um, you know, listening to understand. And so it it becomes, and you have to be very intentional with how you listen to people. A lot, many times I've found that just through that act, that act of truly listening to someone, and when they get without even saying anything to them, but sitting and just being open to what they're saying and letting them talk and pausing before you say anything sometimes they'll continue to talk and you and that wait time you know it's just like being back in a classroom you have to give that person space to get everything out that they need to get out and then after you listen instead of starting out with um a solution or instead of, instead of starting out with any sort of advice, my first thing is to ask questions. And usually they're questions that, or, or paraphrase, paraphrase what I heard them say. Um, you know, acknowledge that they may be frustrated or acknowledge that they're upset. And then I, a lot of times in my, my administrator said, we learned these phrases from Superintendent Avery. Well, I learned them from someone else, but my, the first phrase is, I wonder, and I always, I always thought that because it opens up um, a conversation that can consider multiple ideas. And so I'll, I'll talk, I'll start with something I wonder. And then I also use the phrase, what if, 
And again, that isn't setting anything up for there's one one right way and a wrong way. It's what are, you know, opens up the ideas for possibilities. Um, and then I think it's also important when you're doing conflict resolution um, to be sure you've heard all sides of an issue. And, and sometimes depending on the conflict, um, it's best if you have the sides of the conflict in the same room. And, and it, that all depends on the type of conflict, but sometimes you need to lay a, a, the groundwork for them to hear each other as well. Or the, the um, sometimes I'm the other side of the conflict. <laughs> so, so then I'm in the room and I can, because sometimes it deal in my new position, I um, hear a lot about different policies that we have or misunderstanding of policies that we have. Um, and when you're when you're dealing with that kind of conflict or and with even two other individuals, you look for that common ground. What are some things that we have in common that we can then build on from there? Um, and that's one of the reasons after this year, that's one of the reasons I read Anatomy of the Anatomy of Peace again, because I read that. I think it was 15 years ago. And I went, I have that book. I need to read that again. And it just, um, it confirmed for me some of the things I was doing. And then it also reminded me of some other strategies to use. Um, and it it's a book written by, it doesn't actually have one author. It's written by the Arbinger Institute. And then they also wrote a follow-up for of that um, for specifically for leaders called leadership and self-deception. And sometimes as a leader, and I learned this from um, Manny Scott. I don't know if you know who he is. He's a great person to follow. He's on Twitter as well. But um, he talks about always having openness and being open to the fact that someone else might have something does does indeed have something for you to learn about as well and you if you approach each individual as someone that has someone to offer you rather than you are better than or you know are the know it you know all the answers um and the older i get the more i know i don't have all the answers <laughs> but having that openness towards someone else will help you then see and help you find common ground with them. So but that that's the biggest thing is listening and then asking, asking open-ended questions. Hey folks, just a quick word from our show sponsor. We're excited to welcome Libsyn as a sponsor of the Shifting Our Schools podcast. We talk a lot about the power of podcasting and the different ways you can use podcasts with students, with colleagues, and with your larger school community. The biggest hurdle to overcome is finding a place to host your MP3 file, AKA your podcast file. That's why we're excited to have Libsyn be a sponsor of the podcast. Our podcast has been on Libsyn for four years and we love it. Libsyn has everything you need to plan, launch, and grow your own podcast. Libsyn provides some of the best resources created by expert podcasters who will show you everything you need to know like what equipment you should use, how to record great audio, how to get your show onto Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other popular platforms, and much more. Plus, as a friend of Shifting Our Schools, when you sign up with Libsyn, you get your first month of podcast hosting for free. 
Summer is a great time to start dabbling with new technologies. And if you are thinking of starting a podcast this school year, you can now get started for free. There has never been a better time than right now for you to start podcasting. Visit Libsyn.com and use the code FRIEND. That's F-R-I-E-N-D. That's Libsyn, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com and use the code FRIEND, F-R-I-E-N-D to get started and create your podcast today. For more details, please see the show notes. Thank you, Libsyn, for being a sponsor of this episode. And now back to the show. Thank you for that. You know, again, Janet, I was willing to bet that someone, you know, with the depth of your experience was going to have some wisdom and some insight. You certainly didn't disappoint. There were a few things that you mentioned that really resonated with me. I mean, the first thing that you said about having to find your own conflict resolution style, I think is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see this with educators all the time. It's not about emulating or copying what someone else is doing, you kind of do need to experiment and find your own voice because there really is no one size fits all for something like this. And I think what might work authentically for someone else mm-hmm. might not fit with with what you're trying to do. And, and I really appreciate you giving folks the permission to, you know, don't necessarily feel like there is a textbook way to follow through, but um, mm-hmm. really do try to seek out what's what's going to work for you. And and I, I love what you talked about in terms of really meeting conflict with curiosity and, and asking questions. Mm-hmm. Um, it reminds me, we're, we're kind of throwing out some of our, our favorite authors here, so I'll trade you. I, I really love the work of Adrienne Marie Brown, who has this book called Emergent Strategy that I've read several times. Um, it's one of those books that's had such a profound impact. And in that book, Brown talks a lot about how we can learn from the world around us and nature. Um, and she uses the analogy of a murmuration or how, you know, when you have a flock of birds together, there's not always one bird who is, you know, always that lead bird, but they actually take turns in that flight pattern. And I, I didn't know that. So, um, you know, I, I love what you're talking about in terms of finding your style, getting curious. And that has me thinking about just talking to what others are doing when they're coming ac- across conflict and um, and maybe kind of demystifying that process. Because as you pointed out, it is stressful. Uh, and I, I appreciate you saying that, right? That um, even for someone with your experience, that it's still not necessarily something that's enjoyable, that you still find it hard as oh, well. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. And um. And the other thing is that when you go into having any conversations around conflict, know that you might make mistakes. And then um, when that happens, acknowledge that you did, apologize for it, and then move on. You know, because that's the other thing is a lot of times when um, you and and make time to reflect. Could I have done that differently? Did I approach that well? And and as a leader, you also need to know when you really need to have that curiosity and then when it's time to, if something isn't going to resolve, you have to kind of um, say, okay, this is what we're going to have to do. And and we're professionals and remember our whole focus here and move forward from there. And then, you know, sometimes you have to have those hard conversations 
as well. But you all, I always start in a place of that conflict resolution and curiosity. And then if we have to get to that next step, we do. What I feel like I'm hearing underneath um, your message here is also just this undercurrent of how important that emotional literacy is. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that self-reflection, that self-awareness that you're pointing out, I think that doesn't happen without that emotional literacy piece. Um, I, I don't know if you're familiar with the work of um, Liz Foslin and Molly West Duffy. They often will do these um, illustrations that show up in Harvard Business Review, and, and they have a, a new book that's called Big Feelings. Um, the subtitle is, I hope I'm getting this right, it's, it's Big Feelings, How to Be Okay When Things Are Not Okay. Um, I actually have heard that, yeah. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful book, um, and it, they dig into this this term that I believe they've coined called selective vulnerability. Because you know, of course, there's been a lot of conversation in education about how important vulnerability is. But mm -hmm. you know, just like you were referencing, it is sort of you know picking and choosing where that vulnerability fits, um, and then actually when it's maybe time to tap into a different emotion there. Um, but yeah. you know that that ability to admit when we're wrong is so important and i think teachers look to school leaders to see mm -hmm. if that's being modeled um and and i really really appreciate you just talking about how yeah that's a part of it too mm -hmm. yeah so over the past few weeks um, on the Shifting Our Schools podcast, we've been really digging into soft skills. We've had a number of guests come on and, and talk about the significance that, uh, you know, and I almost like to call them so-called soft skills because I almost think that label diminishes what we are talking about. And we have a brand new free guide that we've put up on our, our library of resources that it's really trying to give educators an idea of here's some different ways you can really put a spotlight on soft skills this year. Mm -hmm. You, once again, uh, lots of experience with leadership. I'm wondering if you might just talk a little bit about how soft skills show up in the work that you do, um, or you know, if you're able to identify like this is the one that you find yourself having to lean into the most, or maybe in more recent years, the one that um, you've had to really work harder on tapping into. Yeah, I'm going to bring up the visual here so I can remember because it <laughs> has different definitions of soft skills and um, or what the different soft skills are too. So, um, and I, I noticed that yours is our collaboration, flexibility, persistence, communication, curiosity, and self-awareness. And and I should say that's not meant to be an exhaustive or prescriptive right. list. Just right. a few, just a few of the hits, maybe. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you know, there's also critical thinking. You know, all of we know all of, all of those things. But um, I think one thing, and of course, there's these, I can see each of these as important as a leader, but um, especially in the last two and a half years, flexibility has been huge. I, um, when I was in Jerome um, as curriculum director, when the pandemic first hit, um, I had always joked that, you know, we all have to be rubber bands. All of us have to be rubber bands. And then I said, now we really have to be. <laughs> And that flexibility to be able to have a plan, but need to shift from things, you know, I, um, 
there is nothing in this world that is truly black and white anymore. You know, when, uh, uh, you know, uh, this way or this way, it's always that gray in the middle. And you have to be flexible enough to approach each situation knowing that. And you can have a plan. And just like in a classroom, um, whether you're, you know, whether you're a leader doing some professional development or a faculty meeting, and if a discussion you had planned is going a different direction, you know, you have to be able to um, uh, shift and guide and, and all of those things and not freeze and stop. You know, <laughs> And um, I had a, I've had a couple of interesting community meetings this year that went a completely different direction than I had originally thought they would. And so I stopped and listened and then would ask questions and then try to move things back. But I had to be flexible because um, I can only control my response to things. I can't control other people's. And so that flexibility is I, you know, I can say my very first year in, in the classroom 30 years ago, I was not as flexible as, <laughs> as I am now. And then communication, I think as a leader, you will feel like you have communicated a lot, but it's never enough. So find, finding those um, ways to um, constantly communicate the message. And, and I don't even mean over communicate on one little thing, but if it is something that's important in, to, in the district, you find ways to communicate it all the time. And uh, we've been working for the past year on a five-year strategic plan and involved our community in it. And, and um, so we're, we're, the next step is for our board to adopt it in August. And it will be communicated in many ways all the time <clears throat> throughout any meeting or event or or um, issue, if it's important enough to take the time to write it, it's important enough to communicate it and make sure that message is out there. I I, I really appreciate you you kind of blending together a few soft skills there. Again, that that communication piece and that patience piece, um, because of course, uh, you know I, I I love Dr. Brene Brown says um, you know with communicating messages that clear is kind, unclear is unkind. Yes. But I think with that, you almost need the sidecar piece that you, it might be clear to you, but not necessarily to an audience, um, you know, and, and again, we are still living and learning in times that are very difficult. So, you know, I find even with my own friends and family, like, oh, you told me that already. I missed that. Um, yeah. and, and we're human, right? So that, that patience piece um, really shines through in, in what you're talking about. I love the rubber band analogy too. And Janet, it strikes me as you're talking about developing community, when a whole bunch of rubber bands get together, you know, you can make the rubber band ball, you can transform yeah. into something else that, um, you know, can, can bounce and perhaps be even, even more resilient. So I appreciate that piece. I, um, and I, I like your message too, about you've become a more flexible educator than you were, because I think that's the other thing that message to educators who are just starting out now, mm -hmm. you are going to cultivate these skills and some of the things that feel so difficult in time, 
will feel less difficult. (laughs) The other phrase that my principals made me realize I say a lot is it's going to be okay. (laughs) I don't always say it's okay because sometimes it's not, but it's going to be okay. We're going to get through it. So Mm. And especially, again, touching back to that piece about Twitter and having a network and having a community and surrounding yourself um, mm-hmm. with support. And also, again, that willingness to say when you need help is so uh, crucial. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, Janet, we uh, we look forward to seeing you on Twitter. We wish um, we wish your, your chat the best of luck and, of course, your entire district. Um, thank you so much for taking the time. Again, uh, as I mentioned, I know you probably have so, so many competing interests, and we really appreciate it when leaders like yourself can can share their experience because we have so much to learn from the work that you're doing. So thank you. Well, thank you so much. I truly appreciate being asked to be a part of this, and thank you so much. I look forward to I look forward to looking at this free resource some more that's on shifting schools. <laughs> Thanks so much, Janet. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Listeners, you can head over to the show notes to learn about following Janet Avery, and you'll also be able to find the link to our free resource library. That's where you'll find our new guide on spotlighting soft skills and over 50 plus other free guides. If you enjoyed today's conversation, we appreciate you rating the show, leaving us a review. And of course, we look forward to being with you again next week when Jeff is back. Until then, we'll see you on the network. Have a great week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.